0: I'm Long with Lessons in the Latter Days, giving you biblical commentary to try to make sense of the times that we're living in, because they're crazy. Today's topic, How Close Are We to the Kingdom? We're going to look at the Jewish perspective of the latter days. Now you might say, wait a minute, why would we want to do that? jesus gave us the whole book of revelation and that's everything we need to know about the end times right well that's not quite true yes jesus did give us the book of revelation but remember that almost everything in revelation beginning in chapter four takes place during the seven years that christians call the tribulation and jews call the birth pangs same seven year period Different terminology. And these are the first seven years of a time period known as the Kingdom. It's also known as the Day of the Lord, or the Messianic Kingdom. Same time period, different titles, all lasting a thousand years. So the seven year tribulation, or the seven year birth pangs, is simply the first seven years of the thousand-year period known as the kingdom. Today we're going to examine a question on a lot of people's minds today. How close are we to this kickoff point of this horrible seven-year tribulation period because it sure feels like the world as we know it is falling apart? It's bad enough now. How bad are things going to get? But first, let's answer the question, what is the kingdom. Since the very beginning, thousands of years ago, God revealed everything He wanted us to know about the kingdom to our Jewish forefathers. So to understand more about the kingdom, we have to go back to our source. I want to look at the Shema, which is the Jewish confession of faith taken from Deuteronomy 6, and this is the centerpiece of the morning and evening prayers where Jews all over the world express their devotion to God. Let me recite the first two lines for you because of its relevance to today's topic. Now, the word Shema means here. And for our Jewish forefathers, the Shema represents what's foremost in God's mind for us to know about Him. It goes like this. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. It means, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Now, the culture of the day had many gods. So, this declaration of faith stated very simply, Adonai Eloheinu, the Lord is our God. Adonai Echad, the Lord is one or the one and only. Now, the second line of the Shema is the one that I want to highlight today. Baruch Shem Kavod Malkuto Leolam Vayed Blessed is the name of His glorious kingdom for all eternity. Now, this means that the cornerstone of our Jewish forefathers' confession of faith is to bless the name of God's kingdom that's where he lives. That's where he wants our focus to be, because soon that kingdom will come down to earth. Remember Jesus' words, seek first the kingdom. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And what was that joy? What was he looking forward to? The kingdom. I want to suggest to you that God has allowed everyone's life to be tossed upside down right now. Why? Why doesn't God come and fix things? I believe he has pulled the rug out from under all of us to where there is nothing that we can really count on anymore. Why? To get our attention. He wants moms and dads to call the children together and talk about this, that God is getting our dependence off of the certainties or what we thought were certainties of this life because there are none anymore in order to shift our thinking to where he is, the kingdom. If you have lost family in this pandemic, I know the sorrow you feel. But could it be that the Father desires you to long for the place where your loved ones are? To create a longing for the kingdom that you did not have before the pandemic? For our forefathers, who suffered tremendously as a people, there was an inner radar for the coming King. Like today, most of us who walk with the Lord closely, we sense the days are short and our attention is focused on his coming to earth to rule. One of my mentors is Messianic Rabbi Michael Washer from El Paso. Here's something he wrote. The honor that we, the Jews, reach to attain is not in this world, but in the world to come. In Hebrew, this common Jewish phrase is Olam Haba, which means the world to come or the coming eternity. So what can we learn from the Jews about that? In the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus instructed us to pray for and look for the time when the Lord is both visible and accessible, a time when his justice and righteousness will rule and there will be absolutely no darkness or evil. Toward the end of his three-year ministry, his disciples asked him, Tell us, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, he had already told them that he must first be killed and return to the Father. So the question burning within them was, Okay, so when will this kingdom come? Now, I don't believe that the Lord wants us to live in an ignorant vacuum where we have no clue. Because Jesus was always intent on sharing God's timetable with those closest to him. Today's sign of the latter days that we'll be talking about today is summed up in a six-word phrase that literally changed my life. Meaning by that, I no longer get upset about what's going on because I know where we are in God's timetable. Understanding these six words will root and ground you in a latter-days set of doctrines that goes all the way back to Genesis. The reason so many Christians are confused about the end times is because we do not, for the most part, consult our Jewish forefathers for wisdom and perspective. But before I tell you these six words, I need to teach you a Hebrew word. This word is an important concept to being able to understand these six words as well as the Bible itself. The word is tavniot, that's T-A-V-N-I-O-T, tavniot, and it's unfamiliar to most Christians. It means pictures and is a much stronger concept than the words we typically use, type or shadow. You see, these tavniot, which is a plural form of the word tavnit, communicate in magnificent layers of truth an earthly picture of a heavenly reality, and they are scattered throughout Scripture. Once you learn that God speaks in pictures, it's exciting, for I see tavniot all the time now when reading the Bible. Let me give you a perfect example of a tavnit. It's found in Exodus 25, when the Lord revealed to Moses exactly what the tabernacle was to look like. He wrote, Let them construct a tabernacle for me that I may dwell among them, according to all I am going to show you as a pattern, a tavnit, a picture, a model, a replica of the tabernacle, and the pattern of its furniture, just so you can make it. In other words, a Tavnit had to be an exact replica. Okay, so let's find out these six words that basically is a Tavnit in all of Scripture that frames the Hebrew understanding of the latter days. The six words, the seven-day plan of God. The seven-day plan of God is a thing. It is a picture, a Tavnit, of six days, followed by a seventh that is special. It is recorded in Genesis that God performed every act of creation in six biblical days, and then he rested. God painted us a picture, or he acted out for us, what was to happen on that seventh day. It was a day he called the Sabbath, Shabbat, a day that belongs totally to the Lord. It is the Lord's day, the day of the Lord, the kingdom. Now consider this. God observed the seventh day. God's children were to rest on the seventh day. Our animals were to rest on the seventh day. The land is to rest every seventh year. See what I'm saying? God speaks in pictures and in repetition. But how long is a biblical day? Our Jewish fathers saw a biblical day as 1,000 years. Remember the psalm in Psalm 90 that says, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or like a watch in the night. The Apostle Peter, a devout Jew, was consistent with this view. He writes in Second Peter, But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Rabbi Katina wrote something very special in the Talmud, which is an encyclopedia of Jewish existence written in the 2nd century. He says, Just as the seventh year is one year of release in seven, so is the world. One thousand years out of seven thousand shall be fallow, or rest. As it is written, And the Lord shall be exalted in that day, meaning that the day is altogether a Sabbath. As it is said, For a thousand years in thy sight are like yesterday when it passes. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote, the Sabbath is a shadow of things to come. Now, from the beginning of time, Jews the world over have acted out this Tavnit before all mankind, that something special was to occur on the seventh day. Now, why am I going into all this detail? I want you to picture this. I want to try to describe a linear graph, basically a straight line divided into seven parts. And this shows the biblical view of history according to traditional Jewish thought. Here it is. 6,000 years have been allotted for man since creation until the day of the Lord. Now, every year is 52 weeks long. Each week ends with a Sabbath. Therefore, we have 6,000 years of 52 Sabbaths which equals 312,000 Sabbaths, a continual picture, a tavnit, that the Lord gave to remind us that a day is coming when we will spend 1,000 years with the Lord ruling the earth. That day is called Yom Shekulo Shabbat, or the day that is all Sabbath. Our forefathers viewed all of biblical history within this framework according to the Hebraic calendar. And this is how things have gotten mixed up for a lot of Christians, because by and large, most Christians have done away with the Hebrew calendar. But I want us to go back to our roots. From the beginning of biblical creation to the year 1000 was considered day one. Day two ends at the year 2000 and so on. So the biblical terminology that is used so much in Scripture concerning the last days is very easily understood from this picture. Everything from the beginning of creation to that midpoint of day four, which is the year 3,500, is called the first days. And everything from that midpoint, 3,500, leading up to the beginning of day seven, is referred to as the last days. Now, the term latter days, which is what this series is all about, uses the Hebrew term akarit, which means the very last part, or the reward, or the future. So the latter days refers to that period of time at the very end of what's called the last days right before the kingdom. That is where we find ourselves now. And if you want to do a great Bible study, look up all the verses that use the term latter days and see what the prophets wrote about what will go on in our day. But let me share an exciting passage in the Talmud that shows what the first century Jews believed about the plan of God. Here it is. The world will stand for 6,000 years. 2,000 of confusion, 2,000 with the law, 2,000 with Messiah, and 1,000 of peace. Now, when you think about it, this is an incredibly revealing passage because the Talmud was written by devout rabbis living in the second century after the temple had been destroyed by the Romans and Jews were scattered over the face of the earth. Now let's go back and rewind and look at this Talmud passage again. The world will stand for 6,000 years 2,000 of confusion, 2,000 with the law, 2,000 with Messiah, and 1,000 of peace. Now you'll be interested to learn that Messiah was crucified at the end of day four. So, according to Jewish thought and tradition, we would have 2,000 years with Messiah, day five and day six, which is exactly what we have had, speaking of Christians who have the Spirit of Messiah living inside of us. So, the question is when does the tribulation begin? Our Jewish forefathers have always understood that this seven year tribulation, which again the Jews referred to as the term birth pangs, will be the first seven years of day seven, since day six ends at the Hebraic year 6000. That means that during the years 6001 to 6007 after creation, that's when the Lord himself will pour out his wrath on his enemies and make them a footstool, under messiah's feet now christians are divided as to whether or not we will go through this tribulation period the most popular view is that we will be resurrected which is a more biblical term than what christians refer to as the rapture so the popular view is that we will be resurrected or raptured immediately before the tribulation begins a second view says that we will have to endure this period just like the rest of the world. The third belief is that we will be resurrected halfway through the birth pangs at the midpoint, the midway point that marks the final three-and-a-half-year period known by Christians as the Great Tribulation, which leads up to the battle at Armageddon, a place you may know as the Battle of Armageddon. What year are we now? Now, many will say, who cares? I'll be long gone. I mean, we're still years away from all this happening. Historically, at the year 2022, we are in the Hebrew year 5782, which is 218 years away from the year 6,000. Now let's be real here, even with elderly people living longer than normal, it is doubtful that any of us will live 218 years to see this day. Now I have resources on my website that go into detail on this issue, but because time is limited here, let me just say that there is a controversy among our forefathers stemming from something known as the Seder Olam Rabbah, And this is the countdown of the time clock of the world, written in 240 A.D., that records historical events from the start of creation according to this 6,000-year plan. And it shows a miscalculation of over 200 years. My own personal conclusion after much study is that we are extremely close to the Hebraic year 6,000. Let me show you how close I believe we are, and we'll look at it mathematically. Most scholars calculate the death of Messiah somewhere between 30 and 34 A.D. So let's say Jesus died in 32 A.D. Now, according to the Talmud, we're supposed to be with Messiah for 2,000 years. If so, what year would that be? 2032. That's only ten years away. Now, wait a minute. What about the belief that no man knows the day or the hour? Ah, now this has been an issue for many Christians for centuries, stemming from a mistranslation of Hebrew concepts into Greek. The Jewish understanding is that only God the Father knows all about that very day and hour. Because it is His day, the day of the Lord, and that's all it means. I want to suggest for your consideration that God intends us to know the time of His coming for us. Why? First, because He never withheld anything from those closest to Him. And second, because the understanding lies in another biblical tavnit, or picture, and that's the Jewish wedding involving the sudden appearing of the bridegroom, the marriage ceremony under the covering, called a chuppah, and ending with a joyous seven-day honeymoon where we will be concealed in the bridal chamber. Rabbi Washer explains this. Once the ceremony is completed, which has not changed a whole lot since the time of Moses, The bride and bridegroom enter into the bridal chamber where the couple will go for seven days. Now, it's interesting that this seven-day period keeps showing up. The Lord is giving us a picture, a tavnit, to help us understand this spiritual truth. Our Jewish fathers believe that the Messiah, the bridegroom, will come for his bride at Rosh Hashanah in the year 6001. Rosh Hashanah is also called the Feast of Trumpets and the Coronation of the King. In fact, on the evening that marks the beginning of Rosh Hashanah, women traditionally wear white in order of the Shabbat bride, anticipating the union with her husband. Now, if you have never attended a traditional Rosh Hashanah service, I encourage you to do so. It is highly insightful and thrilling to be on such high alert for the coming of Messiah at this biblical season. There are many passages that reflect this, but I want to look in closing at just one of those, and that's in Isaiah 26. And the earth will give birth to the departed spirits. Come, my people, enter into your rooms. Close your doors behind you. Hide for a little while until indignation runs its course. God has these dates permanently fixed in his heart. A set time to meet with his bride. A divine appointment that will be fulfilled to the day, hour, and exact moment when the Lord will come for us. As a biblical commentator on the latter days, I hope you sense the importance, as I do, of the times that we're living in. If it's true that we have somewhere between 8 to 10 years before Jesus comes for us, at the rapture, then we need to pay attention to what we are doing with our lives. Are we ready? As Moses wrote in Psalm 90, Lord, Teach us to number our days that we would get a heart of wisdom. I'm Candace Long. If you'd like to know more, I want to direct you to my website at CandiceLong.com. Remember, my calling is to help you fulfill your divine calling and destiny in these end times. Thank you again for being with me today. I hope you'll join me again next time for Lessons in the Latter Days.